New Year. Our reading today is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and you can follow along on page 13. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you for joining us today in a unique sort of service where we are praying in the new year. So we wanted to spend different ways of prayer together as we've talked about prayer uh, previously in a sermon series that we uh, called um, Devoted, More Than Ticking the Box. It's given us the opportunity to set our hearts in a place and our minds in a way that allows us to prepare ourselves to see God move throughout the rest of 2023. And so we've prayed in different forms and fashions. This particular passage that we're looking at is uh, used often as a call to pray for people. A a call for nations to pray. A A call for believers in places to really seek God. There have been whole movements that have been created over this particular passage of Scripture. And today we're looking at it to be a guide for us as we consecrate this year, as we set it aside and say, this is the year of the Lord. It always is. We don't have to say that in some sort of way of like God going, oh, finally, great. You're recognizing it as my year. No, it's always that. It's just us aligning our hearts and our minds and our spirits with what God has already proclaimed and made possible and truth. But this particular passage, this little short verse calling out, is is God talking? And it's found within this beautiful narrative that we find of Solomon creating the work that his dad, David, had set forth to do. And so in your spare time, as you have still a few more days off before you get back into real life, Let me encourage you to go to the book of 2 Chronicles and start at the very beginning and work your way up to chapter 7 and reading through it. Because what you'll find is Solomon completing the temple and establishing the city of Jerusalem. Saying that the city of Jerusalem is the city of God and that the temple is the dwelling place of God. Now, before that, they had the tabernacles and tents and and places of worship that had traveled around with them. But now Solomon has built the temple, this beautiful, grand building, as a place for God to dwell among his people. And so they've built it up and they've gotten to that place. And the very last thing that they need to do is bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. This symbol, this holding forth of God's holiness and mightiness. And so that's what we see in chapter 5 is the, the Ark of the Covenant being brought into the temple. And as soon as it is set in its place, Solomon comes out and he begins to bless the people. He consecrates them. He calls them God's people and calls them holy. 
And then he prays a prayer of dedication. And in that prayer of dedication, he lists certain things. In, in some sense, he's making a request to God, and in some ways, he's reminding God who he is. Not that God needs any reminders, but what's interesting about him, particularly in the Old Testament, but we see it happen in the New Testament as well, is that the people of God are unafraid to remind God who he is. Knowing that God is not forgetful about who he is, but it's a way for our hearts to realign with the truth of who God is. And so by calling forth and saying, God, remember this is who you are, in essence it is our own self saying, this is who God is. See, God, I remember this about you, and so I know that you remember it as well. But he also in this is saying to God, if this happens and the people turn and pray, will you please save them? So he says, look, if our people decide to turn away from you and sin, and they recognize that they've sinned, then when they pray, will you open your eyes and your ears and will you come and save them? If, because they have sinned, pestilence and famine come on the land, and they recognize that they have sinned, and they turn from that sin and pray to you, will you in your ears and your eyes hear and see and turn to them and pray? Now, I need to stop here because he does that multiple times in different ways in chapter 6. But, but there's one great little section in chapter 6 that I do want to read because it's important for those of us who are here. In verse 32, he says, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people of Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all of which the foreigner calls you to, in order that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. I say that because I want to remind you that we are part of this. That, that Solomon, as he is blessing the nation of Israel, as he is praying over them and reminding, he says, not only your people, but all people, God, any foreigner who comes in. Now that's important for us to know, that as Solomon, as he is praying, he sets that aside. Now, he ends his prayer by saying this, And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let the priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away your face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. Now what Solomon is saying here is you promised my dad and thus you have promised me that there will always be someone from David's line on the throne in Israel. That if we are faithful to you, you will be faithful to us. That in our unfaithfulness, if we find out that we've been unfaithful and we turn to you and pray, you will come and bring repentance for us. 
And he says that here. That was, by the way, our call to worship today as well. But then, this is what happens. And let's be a little bit grateful that it hasn't happened here for us today. And as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. I'm just saying that'd be a little scary for us. It'd be cool, but it'd be scary. And it burnt up all the offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. See, God was paying attention, and he was hearing them. He was guiding the work that was happening and moving them to this place. And then they dedicate the temple. We still haven't heard God speak yet. And then God says what he says to them in verse 14. They had finished everything up, and then the Lord appeared to Solomon alone. And he says this, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain or I command a locust to devour the land and send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Now there's a couple of things that I want to point out to us in this as we look forward to the year. In some ways, we hear God echoing the request that Solomon has made. Right? Solomon has said, if our people forget and they turn to you and pray, open your ears and hear us and come and save us. God affirms what Solomon has said. He says, if my people pray, I will hear from heaven and I will come and save them and heal their lands. Now, this is not Solomon saying, this is what you need to do, God. And God saying, okay, Solomon, I'll do that. This is God affirming the truth of who he is already and saying to Solomon, you get it. You understand what needs to happen. You have an understanding of how I operate with you. That you call out to me because you are desperate and in need. And in your desperation and need, I come to you. It's not because you've called out to me. It's because I'm already moving and you've recognized that I'm coming. How amazing that is for us. That it affirms that God is ready and willing at all times to come to us. To be the rescuer that we desperately need. The second thing that it affirms to us is this, that we are his people. You see, he says, look, if my people who are called by my name, God is affirming what Solomon has said. Solomon says, your people. And God says, yes, if my people who are called by my name. That's amazing news for us to hear as we enter into this new year. That our identities are not based on what we do and who we are and what has happened to us and what we will do. But that our identity is firmly based on who God has called us to be. That we are his people. And it gives us entrance to call out to him. And we're not just his people by choice, by us going, yes, God, I choose you. It is we are his people because he has chosen us. God says, if my people who are called how? By my name. I'm the one who brings them about. 
I'm the one who calls them near. I'm the one who creates this. And he says, if they pray. And we see this thing happen after. Then what? I'll heal their land. I'll save them from their wicked ways. Now, we can get confused here and we can make the assumption that if I pray, then I get this. We can do an A plus B equals C equation. That's not what's happening here. The reason we know that is because when we begin to pray in the Spirit, through Jesus, to the mighty God, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits begin to move away from having ourselves on our hearts, on the thrones of our hearts, and putting God back where He comes. And if that begins to happen, then it is inevitable that our lives move away from the brokenness that we have been a part of and to the healing and wholeness that God provides. So it's not us saying, God, come and rescue us and heal us. He says, I've already done that. I'm just going to help you see that that's done by you talking to me. If you spend time with me, you will know who you are, that you are my people called by my name. And as you know that, then you will stop doing the things that you think will fill you up and you will begin doing the things that have filled you up. And by doing that, then your land will be healed. Now, one of the things that's happened with this passage is that people have taken it and used it because it was to a nation, right? In context, in this place, in the story that we're reading, that is truth, it is to the nation of Israel. It's saying to the nation of Israel, if you do this, this will happen. Now, what we've sometimes done is taken it out and said, so for our nation whatever that nation might need to be, whether it's your passport country or the country that is your heart country now, we begin to think, well, we've got to get our country right. So if we pray, then God will make our country right. And we define it by what we think right is. There's a danger in that. Because we recognize If we know the story and we keep going through Chronicles and Kings and we keep going into the prophets all the way up to the Old Testament, that Solomon and every king, most every king that followed, didn't do this very thing. In fact, they turned away over and over and over and over again from God. The very things that Solomon prayed for, if pestilence comes, if famine comes, if drought comes, uh, if an invader comes and takes us over, if an invader comes and takes us over and takes us out of our country, all of those things that, that Solomon prayed, those things happened to Israel and Judah. And this throne, This kingdom that they were envisioning in their minds as they prayed this fell. And that temple was destroyed. Because it's not about the nation. 
It's about the people. And it's not just about the people. It's about the person. The person who is the one who sits on the throne, which is Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one from the line of David that stays on the throne eternally. Jesus is the one who comes and brings wholeness and completeness. Jesus is the one who answers all of those prayers. And Jesus is the one that allows us, when we are broken, when we recognize it, to call out in mercy. And he moves to align us with what God has already done and remind us who we are. That is the prayer of these people that they don't even know. They're praying for Jesus and they've not even seen it or heard it yet. And how great it is that we, in the blessing of God's timing and providence, got born now. That we get to see it as a whole and recognize that, yes, we want our nation, we want the people of our nation saved, But more than anything, we want to know and believe that we are God's completely, and we are. Now, what I want you to do right now is I want you to meditate on this. This is a form of prayer. Now, it's not just meditating out in the ether. It's not just calling in sort of home, all right? This is meditating on this verse. And so in this verse, you might hear this. You are purposefully made for God, right? If my people, my people, God's saying to you, who is called by my name, that might be the thing that sticks out to you, the thing that you hear, because today you need to know that your identity is in God completely, that you are his. It it could be that you hear and, and, and hear God saying to you, I need to be talking to you more. I need to be aligning myself more with you. Because in hearing you, then it will help me move away from these things that I don't want to do. These things that I keep doing. You you might meditate today on this passage and hear, there are things that I haven't recognized as brokenness and sin. What does it say? That you will save me from my wicked ways? Is there something wicked in my heart, God? Is there a place that I've not recognized? Or you might be called to celebrate the wholeness that God is bringing about and continues to bring about. The very promise when it seems the bleakest to us that God will not stop pursuing. Mm. Because that's what he says. I will come and I will forgive And I will heal. And so I'm going to give you just a few minutes to silently meditate on this passage in response to what we're hearing today. And then I'll close.
Father God, we know you love to speak with us. You love to have communion with us. You created us for that very thing, to be in relationship with you. And so today, let us call forth and hold out to knowing and believing that you are the one who makes that true. Let us walk in those places that you've revealed us to us today. That we are yours, that we should call out, <laughs> that we need to spend time with you, and that you promise to heal us, to make us whole. Help us in our unbelief. God, if there's anything in this service today that's not been of you, let it go away. But if there's things that are from you, we know that they will dig deep into our hearts and they will bear the good fruit that will bring praise and honor and glory to you. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.